I bid you welcome to The Cinematic Crypt, a movie podcast hosted by Movie John's Old Sport and classic coroner, Rosalie Kex. Me. Each episode, I travel six feet under and pry open a coffin of one of my favorite Hollywood corpses and perform a post-watch examination of one of their forgotten films. So lend me your ears and listen along as I summon the spirits of Hollywood's dearly departed and uncover your next favorite film from the grave. Hello. This is Dr. Carruthers speaking. Yeah, this is Heath. Yeah, Henry Moore and I are having a little get-together at my home tonight. We want you to come. Why, that's nice of you, and I appreciate it. But I'm very busy working on a formula for a new shaving lotion. Oh, but Doc. Greetings, film pals. Please relax. Climb into your coffin. Get comfortable. And join me in the crypt as we discuss the 1940 flick, The Devil Bat. Before we start digging up today's motion picture, I thought it would be a good idea to share a little bit more about myself and the focus of the show, since this is my first episode. My hope is that each episode, I will share with you a movie that may otherwise have been buried, one that you haven't uncovered yet. In addition to this podcast, I dabble in film criticism for a quarterly print movie scene and website that I co-run, moviejohn.com. This is also where you can find show notes from each show of The Cinematic Crypt, as well as updates about my upcoming short film, Pizza Man. At the start of each episode, I will share with you the adventures of my upcoming film project, and provide updates on the production of the film, including setbacks and insights. Pizza Man tells the story of an eccentric couple, Helen and Teddy. After their young son was run down by a pizza delivery driver, they become grief-stricken and never eat pizza again. So they dedicate their lives to running all pizza establishments out of their town, And when a new shop, Pizza Heaven, opens, they take revenge. We recently held auditions and have finalized our cast. All of the information can be found at moviejohn.com slash pizzaman. I'm very much looking forward to shooting the film in November. And there are a couple upcoming fundraisers that you can learn about on the website. This week, I will be headed to the Toronto Film Festival. I've been to TIFF a couple times, and the experience has always been quite magical. There's nothing like spending the entirety of your vacation in the darkness of a cinema. I love every moment of the fest, and I'm extremely excited to have the opportunity this year to be attending as press. I encourage you to follow moviejohn.com and my Twitter account at bonjouroldsport to find out what my favorite flicks from the fest are and to read some of my hot takes. Now on with the show. Ah, my friend. Our theory of glandular stimulation through electrical impulses was correct. A few days ago, you were as small as your companion. And now look at you. 
For my first dissection, I will be examining the 1940 flick, The Devil Bat, starring one of my favorite corpse crushes, Bela Lugosi. Now, please be forewarned, I will be sharing spoilers, so if that's not your thing and you would prefer to listen after you watch, then this is your time to hit pause. Okay, so this film is extremely important to me, as it was what started my obsession with Bella. Of course, I knew him from the classic Todd Browning's 1931 Dracula, and I always loved him in Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. However, it wasn't until last year that I really started to dig more into his filmography, and it was this movie that led to my now obsession. My doctor pal, Ashley Jane, and I were both going through some stuff last year. Ashley also writes for Movie John and actually is the one that created our intro music. So thanks, Ashley. Well, we started meeting up for regular movie date nights, and she lives in Canada. I live in Philadelphia. But through the power of text messaging and time synchronization, we would meet virtually and watch a film. I'm not quite sure what made us select Devil Bat as the first movie to watch together. I recall at the time I had been listening to a series entitled Bela and Boris, Boris being Boris Karloff of Corpse, on the podcast You Must Remember This, a favorite of mine. Host Karina Longworth mentioned The Devil Bat on one of the episodes. Afterwards, I had looked up the film and found it to be summarized as a movie about a mad scientist and his killer bats. My interest was piqued. Released on Friday, December 13th in 1940, the film directed by a former prop man for Hal Roach, Gene Yarbrough, which, side note, his name is actually misspelled in the opening credits of The Devil Bat. Oops. Was made by Producers Releasing Corporation, or PRC. They were also known as being part of the Poverty Row Studios. Their cost-saving measures are on display from pretty much the start of the film, which they flash a title card that provides the entire backstory in a few sentences. This method is used rather than going through the expenditure of, well, showing you, as that would have required additional shooting days and sets. To be clear, I pretty much love this film from the moment I saw the opening credits. The fonts and title cards in old movies are such a treat. In The Devil Vat, there is, of course, a bat drawing, and the music just really manages to set the mood. It just screams awesomeness, and you know you're about to watch something that your eyes have never seen before. The film's focus is the friendly village doctor, Dr. Paul Carruthers, played by none other than Bela Lugosi. Many think he spends his time simply creating formulas and cosmetic lotions for his employer, Heath and Morton, which he is, but there are also other experiments, experiments happening under the pale moonlight that if the village residents were aware of, they would find them to be weird and terrifying. I personally find them to be fascinating. It's very puzzling, very mystifying. I realize this film is low budget 
and for some, possibly even lowbrow. But I feel it is rather clear from the moment you enter Dr. Carruthers' lab and first encounter him, the filmmaker tried his best to work with what they had. Dr. Carruthers' lab is quite impressive. Frankly, it's my dream room. The exquisite lab glassware, metal coils emitting electricity that turn miniature bats into exotic killers of the night, and then there, there are the little touches of decor that bring me so much joy, like the skeleton, or the skull, I should say, placed next to his telephone, and the goggles he dons atop his head. The bats, well, they're a sight to behold. Oh, and then there's the hidden passageways. Why aren't these things in houses? Who doesn't want to have a place to hide, especially when someone unexpected drops by? Now, before watching this movie, I had only really seen Bella in Dracula. And as much as I love that movie, I feel I really didn't appreciate Bella until I watched The Devil Bat. It was in The Devil Bat that I really witnessed what this man could do. His use of facial expressions, demeanor, and his mannerisms are what make Dr. Paul Carruthers so intriguing and entertaining to watch. Watching Bella on screen, you can tell that he would completely submerge himself into the role he was playing. This movie was made almost a decade after Dracula, and for some, they say it was the beginning of the end for Lugosi who would after this flick become accustomed to working on low-budget productions. However, I think it's pretty clear to see he was having an absolute blast with this absolutely bonkers story. Just listen to the way he says goodbye before parting ways with his victims. Good night, Doctor. He was having fun. Goodbye, Roy. So I bet you're wondering... Well, why was he creating these killer bats anyway? Simple answer, revenge. Dr. Paul Carruthers is bitter. His greedy corporate employer has been taking advantage of his skills and not sharing the wealth. A story which is very much relatable in today's world, frankly. The bats not only are helping the good doctor carry out his sinister plan, but I feel they're also his pals. Dr. Carruthers loves his baddie friends. They are more than just a device to do his bidding. To me, when he is stimulating the bats with electrical impulses, he's giving them a new purpose and providing them with super strength. He, in essence, makes them a super bat. And I suppose, yeah, a killer too. But who wouldn't want to be super? Dr. Carruthers trains his bats to attack people that have a particular scent he designs a special formula that, when applied, specifically as he instructs by rubbing it on the tender part of your neck, attracts the bats, and they kill. So one by one, Dr. Carruthers takes down the evil corporation. What I find interesting about this film is that it is probably one of the first to make use of the body count film technique which would later become extremely popular in 1980 slasher flicks, such as Friday the 13th and Halloween. Dr. Carruthers, in an essence, is killing the bloodline of the company, one by one, taking down the family to in turn ruin their business. Clearly, people were entertained by this revenge thriller, 
as it was one of the biggest successes for a Poverty Row studio at that time. It really manages to pack so much excitement into a lean 68 minutes, and despite the premise being rather kooky, there are several moments that I feel deeply for Dr. Carruthers and what he is going through. For one, his employer is taking advantage of him and exploiting his talents for their own gain. This is something I'm sure a lot of us can relate to. And then there is a scene in particular in which Henry Morton, the owner, calls Dr. Crothers a dreamer, but practically mocking him for it. Here, go on and listen. I hope you're right about that scent evaporating quickly. I smell the high heavens. Perhaps that will be the secret of its success. Well, you can never tell what's going to happen in this business. You can believe me, Henry. You don't have to worry. Yes, I can believe that, Doc. All of your formulas have been highly successful. Well, I've been going over the report to the company's annual earnings. A net profit of over a million dollars. Not bad, eh? When you remember what we built on, a mere $10,000 for your formula. You shouldn't have demanded all cash, Doc. You should have ridden along with us. Then you'd be rich, too. Well, but then you've had a lot of fun in your laboratory with your experiments, dreaming up something new. You're a dreamer, Doc. Too much money is bad for dreamers. So you try to pay me in flattery, telling me that I'm a dreamer. Well, I do dream. Dreams that you could never guess. If you would like to watch the film, I obviously recommend purchasing the Blu-ray copy from Kino Lorber. It includes a commentary track from the film historian Richard Harlan Smith. The commentary made me think about the film in a whole new way, especially in terms of Bela's actual life and the similarities that he has to Dr. Carruthers. Both were screwed over by a corporate greed and forced to take whatever work they could, and at the same time, be thankful for the opportunity. The production company failed to renew the copyright on the film, and it fell into public domain, so it is readily available online with a simple search via Google. You can also find it on many library streaming sites, such as Hoopla or Canopy. After you watch it, let me know what you think. You can drop me a line at cinematiccrypt at gmail.com or on Twitter at cinematiccrypt. Don't be a stranger. If you have a suggestion for the show or a corpse you want me to dig up, let me know. In the future, I hope to have guests living and dead. For my next episode, I will share a movie with you that I recently wrote about for the upcoming fall print issue of Movie John that will feature film writings about bad moms of cinema. I will uncover the corpse of Barbara Stanwyck in the 1937 film Stella Dallas, another brilliant black-and-white film that tells the story of a mother that is willing to do whatever it takes to ensure her daughter's life is better than hers. I can't wait to share this movie with you, and if you are so inclined, please check out moviejohn.com shop where you can subscribe to our quarterly print scene. 
Our next issue features a beautiful cover design by our art director, Hugo Marmuji. It is of Norman Bates from Psycho, with none other than the illustrious Mother Bates. I hope Henry was right about having a clue. But why didn't he explain more about it when he phoned? When I insisted, he changed his tone as if he'd been interrupted. I was afraid that he might be overheard. What is that squeaky sound? Oh, just some night noise. Well, film pals, it's time to close my coffin. That's all for now. But I'll be back in two weeks. And I leave you with this quote from the film. For each episode, I'll try to find a quote from the movie that I will now deem tombstone quote worthy. Here it goes. I do dream. Dreams that you would never guess. Until next time, watch out for night noise. Goodbye, film pals.